welcome to I'd Rather Stay In, the podcast that gives you credit just for listening. Aha, <laughs> uh-huh, nice. you like that, Megan? Uh, I like <laughs> I'm Steffi Predmore. I'm Megan Myers. Uh, Megan, I need you to know that I am on my second pot of tea for the day. We are barely into the 10 o'clock hour, and my teapot holds a quart of water. So that's where we're at this morning. I hope you went to the bathroom before we started recording. I did. I did. I did go pee. Um, (laughs) Yes, I did. (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. I may be hearing colors soon as this second pot of tea uh, hits my system, but... uh, yeah, I still have not packed for the flight that I'm going on later this afternoon. We're we're really succeeding in every possible way. Today. <laughs> It'll be it's, fine. It's going great. great. It's it's going it's going really good. Steffi, what do you know about credit scores? Um, I know that I apparently have a really good one. Um, and that it's better than my husband's, and so typically I am the person. <laughs> So, like, I am on our mortgage. Um, I, uh, Alex's is improving. Uh, but, uh, I know, I, I know enough to survive. Um, but you know what? I feel like a lot of people, just even people with good credit, like myself, um, don't really understand the whole credit system. It's very confusing. I'm 34 years old. And I'm still like, what is this? How does this work? Um, and I certainly didn't understand it when I was younger. I was like, this is, I don't, I have no idea what this oh, is. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Lucky for us, we are joined today by a financial consultant and credit coach, Janelle Pierre, to help us better understand those credits and credit scores. Welcome, Janelle. Hi, ladies. Hi, Janelle. Uh, can you tell our listeners a little about yourself? Yes, I can. Hi, everyone. Hi, listeners. I, okay, so first of all, my name is Janelle Pierre. I'm a financial coach and credit consultant. And about my personal life, I got interested in personal finance because of financial struggle. A lot of us go through periods of financial struggle, but we don't share with others because there's so much shame around struggling financially. I know because I went through, when I was going through my period of financial struggle, I didn't ask for help. I didn't reach out. I didn't know that this was normal, you know, and so I internalized everything and just tried to figure it out on my own. Um, After trying to do that for a long time and situation wasn't really truly improving and, you know, it came down to the point where I was struggling so bad financially that I couldn't even feed myself. I made the decision at that point to join the army. And so I ended up in the military in order to get myself financially ready, you know, to get myself in a better place financially. And at that time when I did that, you know, it was for financial stability and to be able to feed myself and everything else like that. But it ended up being so much more for my financial life because then I started to teach other people everything that I know. So that's about me in a nutshell. And when I got hurt and had to give up, you know, hang up my boots, I decided to go into personal finance full time. I'm so grateful for um, personal finance creators like yourself, because I uh, basically all the personal finance creators that I follow Mm -hmm. um, have sort of um, a similar origin story in that they really got into uh, understanding personal finance and learning more about it um, because they were struggling financially. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'm so grateful because I think that um, 
folks like you sharing your story really does help break that stigma because there has been so yeah. much stigma for so long mm-hmm. and like we don't talk about money and it's yeah hush-hush. and so especially and especially i think uh female creators and women of color sharing like is so impactful and so important so i'm just so grateful yeah. that there's mm-hmm. so many great creators out there sharing and telling yes. their stories and helping break down that stigma yes it takes a lot to share Right. Because I remember when I was going through it, I was like, I will never tell a soul. I will never tell. And this is the problem with with a lot of us women and women of color, too, is the fact that we believe because we are smart, we're not supposed to struggle. We're supposed to just automatically know how to do these things. We're just supposed to automatically know what to do with money and how to build credit because it's supposed to be common sense. But in truth and in fact, that is so far from reality. We're not supposed to know we're supposed to be taught. And depending on where we grew up, we were never taught how to be good with money and how to build credit. Because why? Our families and the school system, they're not teaching in schools and our family don't know either. So then how are we supposed to know? Exactly. Right. That's, yeah. So let's start with the basics then. What Mm -hmm. is a credit score? So a credit score is a three-digit number, and I'm trying. Let me. Actually, I'm trying to say it as simple as possible, right? But a credit score is a, <laughs> is a three-digit number that determines your credit worthiness. So it measures risk, and it tells that lender how likely you are to repay any credit that is extended to you. Okay. So with that knowledge, before we kind of dive more into, you know, what that means, how it's calculated and all of that, mm-hmm. um, can you talk a little bit about how the credit scoring system originated? Like, where did it come from? So, yes, it's a, it originated way back in the day because credit was always a thing, right? I don't know. I, I grew up in the Caribbean and our credit system back in the day was a piece of paper or a note from our grandparents that said, go to the store and trust this item. You know, tell (laughs) this person at the store, whoever his name was, that mommy needs this trusted and she'll pay when she gets paid later. So credit has always been around. But in the American system, credit came about from, because lenders wanted to know what risk they should take, right? And the FICO scoring system, this was created back in like the 1980s, where a mathematician and, what was the other one? Uh, what's his name? An engineer, a mathematician and an engineer came together to create the perfect algorithm to measure that risk. And that's where the FICO score came in because all it's doing, it's using different factors, putting it together and, and pushing out a number to determine so all, that risk. It's all algorithmic. Really. Yes. Yes. <clears throat> so mm-hmm. what are, what are the factors that affect your credit? credit score like what goes into that algorithm so there are five main factors now how it's broken down we just have a general idea but how they they break it down even further that's their intellectual property that they do not share with the public but this is what the public knows there are five factors that make up your credit score number one and the biggest factor is payment history payment history accounts for 35 percent of your credit scores and if we were to break that 35% down into numbers, it'll be equal to like 192.5 points of your credit score, right? <clears throat> so if you miss payments by more than 30 days, then your creditor would report that you've missed the payment by 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, 120 days, and each one is worse than the last. Each one has the ability, each late payment has the ability to drop your credit scores 50 to 100 points, 
right? Oh, that's so, a lot. I didn't realize yes. that it was that much like per mm-hmm. missed payment. Yeah, it's a lot. That is the biggest factor, right? So 35% comes in highest. Now, next up is utilization, and this is where a lot of people get tripped up. Utilization makes up 30% of your credit scores or 165 points. Now, people think that you can build credit without using credit, and you can build a credit score without using credit cards. But here it is that the system is telling you we're using 30% of your, of your credit score to determine how much of your credit card you're using, and we're factoring that into your credit score 30, at 30%. Right. So when you have a credit card, you have each credit card comes with a limit. How much of that limit you use is equal to your credit utilization. You use too much of your available credit. Your utilization goes up and your credit score goes down. Right. So you always want to keep you'll see 30 percent around everywhere. But to get more of that 165 points or get more of that 30 percent, you want to keep your utilization as low as possible, ideally under nine percent right <clears throat> so and I'll go into that a little bit deeper but next up we have length of credit history this is another thing that people don't take into consideration they think that you can build credit scores really quickly and you can have a score within a certain amount of time but to really truly build a really good credit profile time makes up 15 percent or 84 points of your credit scores Right. So with that being said, the longer an account is, the older, excuse me, an account is, the more it factors into your credit scores. But every time you open a new account, the average age of your credit history falls because they're taking an average of each account. Right. So with that being said, you don't want to open accounts too often because you're lowering your credit, the average age of your credit score, credit profile, excuse me, each time. So then we have Credit mix. What type of credit accounts are you typically using? What type of credit accounts do you have experience with? There are installment accounts, which are like your auto loans and mortgage loans and different things like that. And then there is revolving credit, which is your credit cards. So some people might never have a credit card or not use it at all. Some people might have never taken out a car loan or a um, mortgage or any type of personal loan because we think that debt is bad altogether. Right. And that makes up 10 percent. And then the last 10 percent of your credit scores is um, <clears throat> new accounts. So how often are you opening new accounts or how often are you taking inquiries, inquiring to open new accounts on your credit profile? That makes up the last 10 percent, of, which is equal to 55 points. So that's the five things that make up your credit score. OK. And we're going to get a little bit deeper into a lot of that stuff here as we go. Um, but, you know, I think I think a lot of people, you know, because this this credit score is saying, OK, how likely are you to repay things like a loan? Um, and so people might say, like, well, I'm not planning to apply for a loan. I'm not you know, I live in the city. I'm not going to buy a house. I'm not going to buy a car. So I'm not really looking to apply for a personal loan. So does my credit score really matter? What what would you say to those those people who are wondering that? Oh, my goodness. Credit is so much more than borrowing money. Even if you never plan on buying a home or a car, now employers are looking at your credit scores. Insurance rates are going based on your credit scores. Um, Like utilities are based on your credit scores as well. All of these people are taking a look at your credit profile and your credit scores to determine what have you done in the past. And to get an apartment, you also need to have a certain credit score. I ran across someone recently 
that said that she has poor credit. She didn't get into why she has poor credit because there's a lot of different reasons why people have poor credit, right? And absolutely no judgment. But she had bad credit for whatever reason and she was trying to move into a different apartment complex. Now, of course, she didn't qualify credit-wise and so she offered to pay the rent up in front by 12 months. She was like, I can pay the entire lease up front for the 12 months. And they still turned her down. Right? Wow. They still turned her down. They did not want her application. Even though she was willing to pay 25, 30, 35,000, whatever it was, up front to rent an apartment for a year. So credit is so much more deeper now. We're moving into a society where almost everything is credit based. And what what can we do about it? The only thing we have to do is play the game because it's, it's, they're controlling the system, right? They're controlling yeah. it. They can tell us we're the ones that need something from them and they can tell us no at any point in time. So if you're not going to borrow at some point or you think you're never going to borrow, my thing is build it. It's better to have it and not need it than need it and not have it. Yeah, for sure. You mentioned utilities mm -hmm. in that and I don't think of utilities as something that would affect a credit score. So do you, because it's not a, a credit kind mm -hmm. of account, but do utilities like paying your utilities on time and things like that, does that affect your credit score directly or is it more of just an approval thing? It's approval and it can affect your credit score. Now they're not going to report every single month that you paid on time. But the minute that you're late, the minute you default on a credit uh a service account those are called service accounts so like let's say for example you took out electricity in your name right you put an electric name for example and you for whatever reason you defaulted on that bill the minute you default is the minute they'll put that on your credit report so yeah. you don't get credit for paying every month because it's not a credit account but when you default on it it has the ability to to tarnish your credit record yeah, that seems sure. really unfair. <laughs> <laughs> I, and the, other thing, the other thing I'll mention too is like, you know, I think a lot of people think about when they think about like loans, they, mm -hmm. th they do think about cars and, mm -hmm. and houses and things like that. But like, even if you are going to buy a washer and dryer mm -hmm. or a refrigerator yes. or a new TV mm -hmm. and you want to finance that, like yes. they're going to look at your credit score to decide like, hey, can we give you no interest financing? Are yes. we going to allow you to finance at all? So, you know, if you don't want to have to just like pay for everything in cash, yes. like mm -hmm. it is important to have that. Yes. Um, so, you know, I, that, that's just for folks that are like, well, loans are big things. Loans can be like little things too. It can so. absolutely be little things, <clears throat> excuse me. And a lot of us, a lot of us don't always have that cash. A lot of mm -hmm. us don't always have that cash sitting there and there, this is life. Things happen, right? We cannot predict every situation and every circumstance. And borrowing is not a bad thing. I think that the, the connotation that owing someone is a bad thing is keeping a lot of people away from building credit. The credit system mm -hmm. is far from perfect. There are so many things unfair with the credit system itself, but it still opens up a lot of doors and it makes life easier for a lot of people. Because just imagine something as getting an apartment in your name, getting utilities in your name, getting a cell phone in your name, getting a job, there are many people who have lost job opportunities due to their credit, right? And Which we, is wild, truly wild. Exactly, and we can't all be business owners. And even if we're business owners, at some point in time, we still might need a business loan. 
And when you're building business credit, I'm not very versed on business credit, but I know enough to make this statement. When it comes to business credit, a part of it still relies on you having good personal credit in order to even start the process to build business, good business credit, right? So there's a lot of things, and I say it this way. Look at companies like Amazon, Google, Tesla, all of these companies who are bringing in a billion dollars a quarter like it's nothing. All of these companies utilize credit. And they have more mm-hmm. cash than we can dream of. So if big businesses who are bringing in a billion dollars in cash a quarter is taking advantage of credit, who are we to not learn the system and use it to our advantage as well? All yeah. debts are not created equal. There are debt that will destroy you. For example, credit card debt, right? will absolutely yeah. destroy you. But then again, there are debt like your mortgage, your car loan, things that you need. You need to live somewhere. You have to get to work. You need reliable transportation. That There's a huge difference between productive and unproductive debt. And that's the distinction that we don't make as consumers. Let's so you mentioned more. credit oh, cards. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and like, credit cards! <laughs> Uh, let's talk more about that because, you know, I think Here's that what I found. my, oh, my <laughs> Apple watch was like very excited about uh, she, all in the conversation. Cards. Yeah. All in the conversation. She was like, I want in on this. Okay. Uh, <laughs> let's talk more. Let's talk more about that. Um, because I think that there's so much confusion when it comes to credit cards. Mm-hmm. And like you just said, that debt kind of debt can really destroy you. So let's yes. talk about how they can help or hurt you. Right. Okay. So when it comes to credit cards, I always tell my clients and my crew, I have a credit millionaire crew on, uh, on TikTok that we go live every morning, but I always tell them this, when it comes to credit cards, that's, it is nothing to fear. It's all in how you use your credit cards. And what we do wrong is that we use credit cards when we have run out of cash. We use Mm -hmm. credit cards as an extension of our cash. But if you've already spent all of your cash during the month to the point where now you're depending on your credit to get to work for the rest of the month, to pay bills for the rest of the month and to do everything else, you're using that credit card as an extension and now you don't know when you'll be able to repay it. What you're doing, what you're supposed to do, a better way, I would say, to use a credit card is to only use a credit card in the place of cash. So that way you already have the cash sitting in your bank account to make your your statement balance payment to pay off everything in full at the end of the month, whereby you're not paying any interest whatsoever. You can use your credit cards all day long and never pay interest while the credit card is helping to build your credit while you're building up a relationship with these big banks and these big financial institutions. And also while you're enjoying the benefits of these credit cards. So a lot of people say, oh, you can't build wealth on points. Whoever talked about building wealth on points, that is ridiculous. And that does not exist. We don't talk, we who use credit cards consistently for everything, we never talk about building wealth off of points. Let's just get that clear. We talk about, (laughs) we talk about taking money that we were going to spend anyway and making money from it. That's what we talk about. We're not talking about building wealth because we're smart people, right? We know better. We know how to build wealth. We know how wealth works. But the fact that if I was going to pay all of my bills for the month, let's say my monthly bills were $1,200, right? And I took that same $1,200 that I was going to pay in cash. I put it on a credit card with great benefits and I pay it off in full. Now I've just gotten points. So my money paying my bills has just paid me. I just got paid to pay my bills. And now with those points, I can travel for free. I can go book a hotel room. I can go book a flight. I can go do certain things. I can get cash back for spending money I was going to spend anyway, right? So 
all of these major credit cards have really, really great benefits, but it hurts us when we don't understand how to use the credit cards and we're using them incorrectly and racking up hundreds and thousands of dollars in interest charges because we didn't know how to use the cards and then the credit cards get the blame. I think part of the problem too really comes down to a lot of the store credit cards where they they try to trap you with like you're gonna save Mm. all this money if you sign up for our credit card and then you don't think about the fact that just Mm -hmm. simply running the application hits your credit and then you probably are gonna forget that you have you know 15 store credit cards going on Mm-hmm. And then they send you all the sales and you just get really tempted. And I know a lot of people have fallen victim to these store right. credit cards. And those are the credit cards I warn my credit millionaires to stay away from. Store credit cards will trap you and their interest rates are ridiculously high. Mm-hmm. Plus, how often are you are you needing to buy clothes anyway or whatever the, those stores are selling, right? So those right. are the credit cards. I don't, that, that's the one thing we are not doing. We're not doing that. We are paying bills, buying gas, buying food things that are a necessity. Those are the things that we're charging on our credit cards every month. We do not need clothes and makeup and shoes every month. We don't need that. So we're away with the store credit cards, away from, oh, I can save 30% if you get our credit cards. No. And they will not want to let you walk away from that counter until you've applied for that credit card to take 30% off $200. And then next thing you know, you have debt. That's not what we're doing. Right. That's not what we're doing. They make a commission every time somebody signs up for one of those credit cards, whether you're approved or whether you're not approved, they're Mm going to get a commission. So you have to know what your goals are and you have to stick to your goals. It's not that salesperson's responsibility to keep you on track with your financial goals. So when you say no, say no and mean it and look them straight in the face. No, I'm not getting this card. And that's it. Yeah. Right. Because you have those cars, you keep falling for the sales and that just leads to a whole bunch of unproductive debt, debt that leads to nowhere besides higher and higher interest. Mm -hmm. So we're saying no to store credit cards. What kind of credit cards should we say yes to? What do you what do you want people to look for when they want to open their first credit card? So when you're looking for credit cards, you want to look for credit cards with benefits, right? Now understand that there are different tiers of credit cards. So if you're brand new, you may not necessarily apply for or get approved for the higher tier credit cards like the Amexes and the Chases, you know, the Chase Sapphire, all of those great travel reward cards. You might have to start a little bit lower down the tier, right? So Mm -hmm. you want to look for, you might have to start off with a secured credit card, which is a credit card whose limit is dependent upon your deposit. So you need to make a cash deposit because if you're new, that means there's no record of you using credit before. When they pull your credit report, it doesn't have anything that they can measure. So they're not going to take the risk on you. You're going to take the risk on yourself. So let's say you put down $200, you will get a credit card whose limit is going to be equal to $200. So should you ever default on that credit card, they can just take the $200, close the card, and send you on your merry way. Right? So mm-hmm. you are securing yourself, but once you've shown responsible usage, once you've stayed disciplined, this is the name of the credit card game. It is about discipline and knowledge. Now that you know how to use a credit card and you're using the credit card, you're showing responsible usage, that creditor can be like, okay, well, for the past six months, eight months, 10 months, whatever, you've been shown responsible usage. I am going to give you back your security deposit and now I'm going to give you a limit of $1,000. 
right? Mm -hmm. Now, those don't hold me to those numbers because it's all dependent upon that credit card company themselves to make that determination sure. on what they want to give you. But my point is they can graduate you into an unsecured card where now they're taking the risk to lend you the money or to extend yeah, credit to you, sure. right? So it all depends. Sometimes you have to start off secured and work your way up. But the credit cards that I like the most are the big, the, the major credit cards, the bigger players like the Chases, the Amex, the Discover, the City, the Capital One. You know, those are the companies that have better reputation. They have better rewards, right? So you can get more. You're rewarded better when you spend on things that you were going to spend anyway, rather than, you know, the store credit cards or the secured credit cards or you know, all of those other credit cards that don't matter. I like to stay with the, the major players in the game. Yeah. And I think it's worth mentioning that like, so for example, we bank through Capital One and so mm -hmm. we have Capital One credit cards. Yes. Um, and when we signed up uh, for the credit cards, there were options as to what rewards we wanted. Mm -hmm. And so um, there was one that was like travel rewards and yes. then there was one that was the cash back. And yes. we don't travel that often. Mm -hmm. So we went for the cash back because that was going to be more applicable to us. Yes. So you can kind of look at what is your like what your lifestyle is and what or like maybe you want to travel more. Mm -hmm. And so that's a goal for you. And so signing up for one with, you know, travel rewards might be better for you. But, you know, you can take a look at what some of those rewards are and figure yes. out you know, which one is going to work best for you in your lifestyle. They're not all the same. Exactly. That's a major part as well, too. You do want to look at the rewards. You do want to look at the benefits and choose a benefit that matches your style. Because if you're not a huge traveler, if you don't travel avidly, then what sense does it make having a travel rewards card? And a lot of your travel rewards card will have annual fees attached to them. And the yeah. annual fees, like for example, Amex Platinum has an annual fee of, is it $6.99? I think it's $6.99 now. So you're paying $700 a year every year on the anniversary of that card. And if you're not going anywhere, what's the use? Right? Yeah. Right. So no, you will get a cashback card. You're destroying away money at that point. Right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so get you a cashback card. I started with cashback cards. And at one point I had almost $500 in cashback. And I promise you, all I did was pay my bills and buy the things I was going to buy with my cash i didn't spend anything outside of what was in my budget never yeah. and i had almost 500 dollars at one point before i pulled it all off yeah yeah same yeah so we want to acknowledge that even though the u.s credit system plays a huge role in so many areas of adult life it leaves out a number of underserved communities yes can you talk about the disparities in the credit system particularly the racial and income disparities that exist Yes, it's a, that's something that is so deep rooted in in our society, and it, it seeing that is something that is well known. Like I, I read an article, I was doing some research recently, and I read an article about that exact the racial disparities between certain cities and certain states and certain demographics, and it literally like it literally broke my heart. And this is something I'm very well aware of, but just seeing that it is known, it really did something to my to my psyche, and. It lit the study literally proved that if you were of a certain hue, your skin was of a certain hue, and you lived in a certain area, your credit reports had way more errors that prevented you from qualifying for stuff than any other area in the same city. Mm. It, 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 it's, it's amazing to know that people who live in certain areas, so let's say areas that are redlined, they mm -hmm. naturally had more errors than any other part of that particular city or that particular state. And 
it's proven. So why aren't we doing something about it? Why isn't How something does that being done happen about it? Exactly. If it's an algorithm. I that is a good <laughs> that is a good question. That is a really good question because the thing about it is uh by law our credit reports have to be accurate. Everything mm-hmm. on our credit report is supposed to accurately represent show who we are so that when that creditor pulls our credit report they're making decisions based on facts and things that are true but to know that if you live in a certain zip code there's naturally 10 times more errors on your credit report than somebody else i can't explain to you how that is maybe when you fill out an application and your address comes up they automatically don't even care how they send that information over i cannot explain to you because all of your information is sent from the creditor that you applied for credit um, with straight to the credit bureaus so who's responsible for those disparities i have no idea who is but it's proven by the cfpb that which is the consumer financial protection bureau that people who come out of certain areas are naturally more disadvantaged because their credit reports have way more errors than anybody else's and these people don't know anything about this they just know that I have bad credit, I can't get approved for anything, but they don't understand it is because they live in a certain zip code or they're in a certain part of the, the city that that's the reason why. And it's errors, not even things that they actually did. It's not the fact that they ran up credit cards. It's not the fact that their utilization is too high. It's not the fact that they have too many accounts. It's the fact that there are errors on their credit report. So... This is the kind of conspiracy theory we need to be actually talking about. Like, this is an actual conspiracy. (laughs) Right? Right? Like, oh my God. Because, like, again, this is, it's algorithmic, which means that there is something systemic Mm -hmm. in there. This isn't just, like, human beings, like, deciding, like, or, you know, like, oh, they hired people who don't know how to input numbers over here. Like, Mm -hmm. there is something systemic happening here. Yes. People just aren't talking about it. That it's wild. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, similarly, uh, I I would love to hear you discuss how immigrants can struggle with building credit. Which oh. you know, you grew up in the Caribbean, so this is something that you probably have personal experience. Yes, with. absolutely, one hundred percent. I came here right before my seventeenth birthday, so definitely one hundred percent immigrant. And um, yeah, the credit system, like I said, back home. The credit system started off as, you know, just go to the store and tell Mr. So by so that mommy wants a pack of, you know, a piece of cheese until next week. Right. Mm-hmm. And coming here to know that there is a whole system and you have to build credit and you have to, you know, you have to have. Credit. I had such a hard time building credit because I didn't have anything in the system on me. There was nothing in the system on me. And so I was just applying for credit cards everywhere, just applying because I I generally knew from talking to friends and different people that the easiest way to build credit was through credit cards. Like you have to have a credit card. You got to start with a credit card. And for seven straight months, I applied every store card, every, I went through the mall, just running through the mall and every store that I shopped in at the mall, I would apply for a credit card, nothing. And then after doing that for like seven months, I just stopped. I'm like, there's just no use. Right. There's just no use in trying to build credit. No one wants to trust me. No one wants to give me the opportunity to show that I am a responsible adult. No one wants to help me. And so I just gave up. I gave up on it. Right. And a lot of people go through that and not understanding how the system works and not knowing what to do. And so it took me studying the system and learning it to the best of my abilities in or to the best of my ability in order to understand how it works and how I can start building credit. 
And after about a year or so, I was banking with Chase at the time. And Chase was like, um, they sent me a pre-approved uh, offer in the mail for a credit card. And so I jumped on it immediately. Now, this is after months and months and months of denials. I jumped on it and the credit card's limit was $250. And that I started building from there. You know, the other thing I think um, that, that is worth mentioning here, when we're, especially when we're talking about like cycles of poverty mm -hmm. and privilege, yeah. is that, you know, when you're talking about um, uh, applying, putting in a, a rental application mm -hmm. or um, uh, an auto loan or, you know, a lot of things like there are in a lot of cases opportunities to have someone co-sign mm -hmm. that loan for you yes. or co-sign that rental application for you. Yes. But you need someone to co-sign who has good credit. So, you know, like for me, when I got on, on my own out of college and got my first apartment, they wanted a co-signer. My mm -hmm. parents had good credit. And so my parents were able to co-sign yeah. that rental application for me. And mm -hmm. that was a huge like I am able to recognize now what a privilege but, that mm -hmm. was because if my parents had not had good credit, then I would have been stuck yeah. or I would have had to find someone else. Like you have to, mm -hmm. you know, hope that there's someone else in your life who has good credit. But if everyone around you is stuck in the cycle of bad credit, then there's yeah. no one around you who can co-sign that loan or co-sign that application for you. So, yes. you know, it just creates this cycle that gets hard to get out of. Yeah, that is 100% true. Um, it's, it's hard for a lot of people to understand that yes it is a system it's an unfair system and it favors one person over the other but at the same time too a little bit of knowledge goes a long way once you understand how it works you can take use the system to your advantage but yes having someone to co-sign for you is what a lot of people especially people that look like me we don't have i've never had a co-signer for anything i've had to figure out my way the entire time until i've built up what i've built up now and that is one of the huge reasons why i teach what i teach because when you're stuck in a position when you're stuck somewhere because you don't have the credit or you don't have the finances to get out of that situation every other part of your life starts falling apart you start doubting yourself you start giving up on your dreams you start feeling this heavy weight you start the depression then here comes the hair falling out or the hair grain or the hair thinning and all of this stuff because of money and we live in a society that pushes a lot of education we start educating our babies from little from really really tiny babies we start educating them but then we 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 ed we're educating them to be employees and not understand how money works because if the system was different and we understood how money works from a young child, number one, we will never accept the pay that they want to pay us. And number two, we'll know how to use our money to make more money, which hurts the people that's making money off of us. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. So that's I so true. Mm -hmm. I saw a um, an article yesterday that said master's degree preferred Starting salary fifteen dollars and thirty nine cents. <laughs> oh my god! As someone who has a master's degree and had high blood pressure and all types of stuff while trying to get it, well, while in the process of getting it, the words that came out of my mouth were not friendly. But I, <laughs> but I yeah. wish to hell I would accept a job for fifteen dollars and thirty nine cents with a master's degree, 
But that is a society that we live in today that people can be that brazen and that bold to offer someone who busted their ass for two years doing a graduate degree program and say, I'm going to pay you 39 cents more than the minimum wage. You got yeah. to be kidding me. Right. And this is the yeah, reason that's... why I teach what I teach. This is the reason why I teach people how the, the, the importance of using your money to make more money, the importance of using credit correctly, because these people out here don't give a damn. They don't give a damn about you, about your responsibility, about the hard work that you put in. They do not care. So it's up to you to care about your finances and do the best that you can do and to always keep elevating your knowledge because the taker is the, the, the giver is going to have to be careful because the taker has no limits and they're just going to keep taking from you. Yeah. Absolutely. You talked about some ways to improve credit score. Mm -hmm. Do you re recommend credit monitoring tools like Credit Karma or TransUnion to help you figure that out? Yes, there's a lot of education out here at the same time too from, from these uh, monitoring agencies. So there are a couple that I like. I know one of my favorites back in the day was Credit Karma. There is, they only give you two of your scores and the scores of Vantage and not FICO. So they're not fake scores or anything like that. Five Vantage is just a different scoring model and a different way to calculate your credit scores. And it's not used as often, but it's getting more popular as time goes by, right? So as far as the scores, you can just, you know, use them as a, as a, as a measure, as, you know, an approximation of where your scores truly are. But you can definitely use a lot of these free monitoring services to keep an eye on your accounts for accuracy. You want to make sure that you are aware of if someone tries to pull your credit, you are aware of the accounts that's on your credit report. And besides those free credit monitoring services like Credit Karma or Credit Sesame or Credit Wise or through your local bank or credit union, you do want to pull your free official credit reports as well too. And this comes directly from the credit bureau, the big three, Experian, Equifax, and TransUnion. And from now until the end of 2023, which is in December of this year, you can pull your official credit reports every seven days from these three oh, companies. Wow. Yeah. So you thought it's more than I thought. Did it used yeah. to be only once a year? Yes. It was only once a year until the pandemic happened. But when the pandemic happened, so many people's lives were uprooted and turned upside down. So now mm -hmm. in an effort to help people rebuild, they decided to give you a, your free official credit report every seven days through annualcreditreport.com. That's wow. great. Yeah. So take advantage of that. It's a lot of pages. It's a lot, right? But still, you need to know what's on there. And you need to ensure that every bit of information down to the spelling of your name is accurate on those reports. So pull one report at a time if you want to, right? And just sit with a pencil or a pen, a highlighter, whatever, and just start looking at things that are out of place, addresses that may not be yours, addresses that may be outdated that you lived in, you lived at 20 years ago. Those things don't need to be on your credit reports. You just want to make sure in the personal information section of your credit profile that everything there is up to date and it's current, like it's accurate and it's current. So no 10 phone numbers you had from back in 1999 and old addresses mm -hmm. and old divorce names or whatever. Anything that's not up to date, you want to take the time to update that before going into your actual accounts and looking for accuracies or inaccuracies there. If you find errors, how do you get those fixed? So 
number one, you have, depending on what the error is, do, do not call in and do not dispute online, depending on what it is. The only things that you can call the credit bureaus about or dispute online is things like your personal information, like your job, the spelling of your name, different things like that, or inquiries that are unauthorized. Like say someone uh, did a hard pull on your credit report and he's like, wait a minute, I never applied for credit from uh, Joe's Crab Shack right so you definitely want to pay attention to things like that you can call in about things like that but it is always better to have to do everything in writing you want to do everything right hey i just looked at my credit report and this account i do not recognize it please take this off my credit report you know you just write a simple letter it doesn't have to be too jargony it doesn't have to be anything but you ideally to answer the question ideally the best way the most secure way to protect yourself is to send a letter into whatever credit bureau is reporting that inaccurate information. Now, the reason why I say that you want to do that in writing is because sometimes the credit bureaus, we have to understand what they are. Your credit bureaus are not your friend. They will pretend that they are, but that's not what they exist for. Credit bureaus are data collecting companies. They make money off of selling your data. So, it's not that easy always to get them to delete stuff because, hey, I'm making money from this information and now you want me to delete this information, excuse you, right? Mm -hmm. So sometimes you're gonna have to fight them tooth and nail to get information deleted off your credit profile. And if it ever came down to it where you had to take them to court, you need to have documents. You can't be like, okay, I called in on blah, blah, blah day and a representative told me, uh-uh, that's not gonna stand up in a court of law, a court of law. So if it ever came down to where you had to sue the credit bureaus, you need to have everything documented on in black and white. Yeah. That's great advice. I, I think that's great advice just across the board in life, but Yes. <laughs> exactly. I think, it's, I think it's just a good it's good to remember like to not fall into the pit of like, oh, these people care. Like oh, no. not, they're they're looking out for their best interest. Yes. So you have to look out for your own. Exactly. Um so for parents, uh, how can we help our kids get started off on the right foot when it comes to credit? Okay, so that's a really good question. And it's going to be a long answer, so I'm going to warn you up front. It's going to be a little bit of a lengthy <laughs> answer. <laughs> I love giving details because I want people to understand everything about it and not walk away confused. But one of the easiest ways to help your children build credit is to add them as authorized user. It's, called, it's a system called piggybacking. And it can help by giving your child all of the history. So let's say you had a card that's about 20 years old and you've always been upfront with that card, you've always paid on time, your balances have always been low, everything like that, right? It's a really good account. You can add your child onto that account as an authorized user and that your, your young one inherits that entire credit history, which is why you have to ensure mm. that it's a good account. Because if it's not, now your child is inheriting your poor credit history and that's not gonna help their profile, right? So with that being said, when that started happening, credit bureaus started getting, oh, wait, wait a minute now. Well, this person is inheriting this person's good credit history. Now what they did, they changed the algorithm to not take into consideration authorized user accounts when calculating credit scores. 
So that's something that's a little bit newer, but from before it worked perfectly and it helped a lot of people. So if you're using like the FICO 8 scoring model, the FICO 8, if, not if you're using, but if that creditor is using the FICO 8 scoring model, even though the authorized user account is on the credit profile, it will not be used to calculate that person's credit score because an authorized user account, that person who is added as a, an authorized user on that account has no legal responsibilities to that account. So it worked like a charm back in the day, but then when the creditors realize, you know, people are getting more and more hooked to it, hip to it, I should say, and they're getting higher and higher scores and there's less denials because of authorized user accounts, then the system changed. And I won't say the creditors changed it, it's more so the lenders. The lenders didn't like it a whole lot. So because the lenders didn't like it, then the, the credit bureaus changed their algorithm or whatever they changed to not take those accounts into consideration. But you can still add them or you can give them a credit card. Add them as an authorized user, give them like a small balance, maybe like $200 and teach them how to responsibly use credit because a child cannot have a credit account in their name legally until they're 18 years old. So basically you have to wait until you're 18 years old to start building credit. So if you start teaching them from, you know, 16, 15, however, you know, you have to look at your child and determine at what age you could start giving them what responsibilities or teaching them what lessons. But if you can give them like a $200 card and be like, okay, make sure this is the statement closing date. This is the due date. This is the only time you're supposed to use this card. This is what happens when you don't you do X, Y, and Z. And you start training them up. By the time they're 18, they're going to understand how the game works. So when you do open that first credit account for them, they already know how to play the game. That makes sense. Yeah, I think that that was, for me, one of the best things that my mom, when I got my first credit card when I was 18 and a freshman in college, mm. like she was like, look, do not use this unless you have already know that you have the money to pay. Like yeah. she really talked me through that. Mm -hmm. And I think that that was one of the things that really set me up to like have good credit now um is that you know she had an understanding of that because she was <laughs> she was a penny pincher yeah. um and that she she taught me that um from the jump so that's one of the things that i'll definitely be teaching our daughter yes from young <laughs> from young speaking of college students credit card companies oh. definitely prey on college students with like exchanging your life for a free t-shirt basically mm -hmm. um Especially at the beginning of the school year, beginning of term, when you have new kids coming in and they, they don't know anything about anything yeah. at that point. How can we arm these, you know, bright, shiny new adults with the information that they need to avoid falling victim? I think that's illegal now. That whole thing. Oh, good. Yeah, I believe it's illegal <laughs> now. But because I was trying to understand, I was telling my crew, I was like... I'm trying to understand where this whole process or thought process came from that credit card was free money until I started working in a, in a local credit union here in, in San Antonio. And um, the person that was instructing the class, he was like, in college, he got into a lot of trouble with credit cards. And it's because they were telling the students, come sign up for a free T-shirt. And this is basically whatever words they were using. I can't say it you know, verbatim, but whatever words they were using, they were pretty much insinuating or pretty much saying that this is free money. You, you can have $2,500 a month, you know, 
free money, whatever it was, free money. So that's where that came from, from the college campuses. So now credit card companies aren't allowed to do that anymore because what they were doing, they were preying on these innocent young adults and messing mm-hmm. up their entire financial life before they even, you know, finish their first semester in college. So that's not a practice that they can do anymore. And we can, like I said, start to training them up from now. You can give them a, a small card, start off with a secured credit card. When you're getting secured credit cards, the limit should be no more than 200. You don't have to put down five, six, seven, eight, a thousand dollars because a $200 secured credit card will do the same thing for your credit that a $1,000 secured credit card will do. Right. Mm-hmm. And as long as you understand when it comes to credit cards, your statement closing date is the date that they report your balance to the credit bureau and your payment due date is the date you need to make your payment by. Make sure that on your statement closing date, your balance on the card is less than 10%. Make sure by the due date, you pay that less than 10% off in full. And you know, you just have having that conversation with your little ones to prepare them for adulthood because there are so many predators right outside just waiting to grab them up and char- overcharge them for stuff. Uh, this is not a this is not something a question that we had prepared you for. But um, <laughs> as we're talking about college students, and I'm thinking about student loans, mm. how do student loans affect your credit? So student loans are typically the first thing, the first loan that a lot of people would apply for. That's usually their oldest account, and student loans can oh my goodness, they can get so out of control so quickly. I remember the very Mm -hmm. first person, not very first, that wasn't the first, but one of the people that I helped along the way while I was building up my business had 90,000, at the time, 80,000 in student loans. And I'm like, what did you get? It was like an associate degree. I was like, an associate degree cost that much? Because at that time, I was already in the military and the military had paid for my associate's degree at that point. And I'm like, does it really cost that much? He was like, no, it was $30,000. I was like, say what now? He was like, it was a $30,000 loan. And now it went from 30 to 90. And by the time I yeah. met him, it was yeah. 80. So I was flabbergasted. I could not believe that $30,000 could turn into 90,000 over a couple of years. Right. So when it comes to student loans, you have to be so very careful. I mean, you have to do what you have to do. For me, it was the military. That's how I don't have student loans. But other people, not everyone is cut out for military life. It's not an easy life. It's not easy training. So you have to do what you have to do, but you have to understand the consequences of what you're doing. Right? And you taking those loans, only take what you need and try to pay them back as soon as possible. Try to pay them back as soon as possible because there are so many people walking amongst us right now with high six-figure worth of student loan debts, high six figures. And that's like normal in today's society. So it's a lot that I think our governmental bodies can do about that, but does it benefit them to do that? Not necessarily, right? So why would they care, in my opinion? Why would any one of them care? Yeah. So yeah, do what you have to do, but understand the consequences. And if you can start paying them off, like I was telling people during the pandemic, when student loan payments got deferred and interest was put on hold, I was like, this is the time to start knocking down those student loans. Like you get a break without your student loans earning interest. Cause usually when you put them in deferment there, you don't have to pay them, but they're still accumulating interest. 
at $10,000 a year, $5,000 a year, you know, depending on how much you owe. So I was encouraging people as much as possible. Hey, don't take this as a break. Take this as an opportunity to knock down how much you owe while no interest is being accrued on those student loans. But it is definitely something that is hard for a lot of people. And I don't, I personally feel all types of way about student loans and those who are held captive by it. Yeah, I did. Um, I did the AmeriCorps VISTA program for a year after college. Mm. Um, and when you do AmeriCorps, they uh, defer your loans for the year. And then you get um, a certain amount of money at the end that you can either pay off, like put towards your student loans, mm. or you can put it towards like a graduate program. Yeah. Um, and so that that helped us be able to pay off the student loans that I had. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, that's definitely a, that is an option if that's, you know, again, similar, it's, it's very different from being in the military. Obviously, yeah. but that is another program that people can do. Um, I have multiple friends that did that mm-hmm. um, after college for a year or two um, and, you know, kind of helped build some employment history and yeah. also um, worked towards, you know, their student loans. But yeah, it, it, it can be a real, a real pit. Yeah. It can be a pain in the butt, man. so a lot of this really boils down to education Mm -hmm. so what are some of your favorite resources for people who are looking to learn more about credit and improve their credit score i love to read i love to read and there's so many amazing books out there on finances um one of my favorites some of my favorites are the very first thing that i read is the the richest man in Babylon. Now you got to be careful with that because it's written in old English, right? So depending on the version that you get, you have to look for like an American standard version. Uh, if you're not into the Shakespearean type language, right? (laughs) (laughs) Because it it, it will, um, thou and thy you to death. So you have to be really careful with which one of those, but that's a book that put into perspective how money really works and how money should work and how you should be looking at money and different things. Um, A lot of my books will be mindset based because to me, all of this is how you think and look at your financial situations. Yeah. Once in a while, we're going to have to take a loan. Once in a while, we're going to have to use other people's money, depending on what our goals are. So Mm -hmm. if you understand ahead of time how money works, you can make certain decisions with, you can make more, what's the word I use? More well-informed decisions when it comes to what you want to put on credit and what you want to use your cash for. So I started off there and then I moved on to um, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And then I moved on to Think and Grow Rich. And, you know, it's just all of those books that help you to first understand because it doesn't matter how much knowledge you have if you're thinking about a situation in the wrong way. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So those are some of the things I mean. And there are I I would love to spend more time listening to podcasts, but I feel like when I listen to podcasts, I'm cheating on my books. <laughs> <laughs> that, uh, that's why I don't I don't. <laughs> That's why I don't listen to audiobooks because I also feel like I'm cheating on my books. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a real thing. Like, I legitimately fear that, oh my goodness, I feel like I do listen to podcasts. I have listened to your podcast before, but I feel like, oh my gosh, it's like I could be reading a book right now. Like, I could be. <laughs> I know I listen to podcasts when I'm driving because I can't read books while I'm driving. Driving, exactly. But that's the thing now. So when I'm in the car, then I put on the Audible. So some books I have it physical and in Audible. 
But a lot of the things that I learned when it comes to money, I learned it on my own and just from reading some of those books. Like the practical thing, I was the one that was out there poking at my credit, applying for this to see what will happen, you know, doing this. I do a lot of experiments. That's how I learned a lot. And then later on in life, when I decided to do it full time and get certified in different things, then I started, you know, learning, learning from the books that the certification program called for. So it'll more be like, um, hold on, let me look at my bookshelf right quick. I got to turn around. So I have books called Personal Finance. There's this huge book called Personal Finance by Graham. That's one of the books that I learned from. Um, it's available on YouTube. Another one of the books that I had is like Financial Counseling, um, A Simple Strategic Approach. And, you know, just but when it comes down to the nitty gritty of books, I pretty much just Google. I go straight to the source. I when it comes to nitty gritty of the facts, excuse me, about how things work and how credit works. I go straight to the source, meaning the Federal Trade Commission's website, meaning the Consumer Financial Bureau's website, the CFPB website, the FTC website. The there is the Fair Credit Reporting Act, the FCRA. They have a whole booklet on what should be what is fair credit reporting and what the credit bureaus are responsible for and different things like that so the information is available you just gotta really dig for it awesome oh my goodness i feel like i learned so much <laughs> in the last hour of talking to you this was amazing thank you so much Janelle, for you. being here with us today and teaching us uh you guys you know that we will tag her um in instagram we'll tag we'll you know list her profiles um in the show description so you guys can go follow her and learn more you know you can hop over onto her tiktok and mm -hmm. uh join her what did you call it your millionaire club I is that call, what you call it i call them my credit millionaires because a credit millionaire is someone who understands how the credit system works and uses it to their advantage to create financial freedom for themselves awesome love it that's yes. amazing so that's what i call them and let me tell you i've had so many people already just by going through my content on tiktok and joining me live that's already increased their credit scores over 100 points that's amazing. amazing. They haven't that's even, a huge amount. They haven't even hired me yet. They're just me putting out information similar to this. And they'd be like, oh, I didn't know you can do that. And then they go do it. And then the results are astounding. This morning, someone was like, I went from 720 to 800 just by listening to you. So it works. It works. Amazing. That's fantastic. That must, make you feel really, that must make you like feel really good. It, that's really rewarding. It makes me feel so, so incredibly good. And I realize that I, I don't want to do anything else just because I'm helping people do stuff that they couldn't do before like sunday sunday morning i got a um i got a testimony a text message testimony that said i f i got my score increased 100 points in less than two months by listening to you and now i might i can get an apartment for my son and i and i almost no. busted out in tears because i was gonna say uh, i'm gonna cry right I know. imagine a young mother who's been struggling for so long and could not get a place because of bad credit and got in under two months got a hundred point increase. And she was like, I can go get an apartment for me and my son. Oh my God. What better feeling in the world is than, than there is that. You're literally changing people's lives. Oh. Oh, I got chills. <laughs> I have chills. Oh my goodness. Okay. Well, that made me happy uh, yes. to hear that, but let's all share what's bringing us joy this week. So yes. Janiel, you go first. What oh. is making you happy this week besides that testimony? <laughs> yes, that testimony is a lot. <laughs> Um, what's making me happy this week is just understanding that 
I have such an amazing gift that I can share with people. And it gives me so much joy to know that I can use my story of struggle and my story of hardship at the time, at the lowest point in my life when I wanted to give up on everything. I can now turn around and use that story to inspire others and help them not give up on their dreams just because of their present circumstance. There's nothing that makes me happier than that. Mm. That's wonderful. That's amazing. Steffi, what's bringing you joy? Um, a little bit fluffier, but I mentioned earlier, <laughs> I am uh, taking a trip to California today for the end of the week. Uh, well, it'll be last week as you guys are listening to this, but um, I it's it's, it's going to be my first time on an airplane since January of 2020. Um, which is giving me a, a smidge of anxiety. Um, but I am excited to escape the snow that is apparently coming for us and go visit our friend Kathleen out in California um, and spend some time with her out there. Uh, we're going to go, uh, I, at some point we're going to do a wine tasting with uh, another one of our friends. And um, I think I'm getting a tattoo out there. No, I don't think I know because it's, 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 I put it on a deposit. It's, it's already, it's on the schedule. I'm getting a tattoo out there. Like it's going to be, it's going to be a good trip. So I am really excited um, for that. Um, yeah. Megan, how about you? Um, so uh, as people know, uh, Steffi and I are both food bloggers and it's a wild and crazy world out there sometimes. <laughs> and, um, mm-hmm. I have been feeling it's January, so January is usually really blah for our businesses um, because, you know, you don't want to really eat cake or whatever in January when you're supposedly, you know, meeting your goals. Um, So (laughs) we are down from like the holiday, (laughs) the lovely holiday high that we had. And so um, I've been feeling like kind of low about the work that I've been doing, but also then it's kind of like a weird mix. But um, I had recently made a web story a couple weeks ago, and then starting over the weekend, it just kind of be started to be shoved out all over. However, Google does its thing with shoving content in front of people's faces. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I knew I would be a cajillionaire. Um, and so I've been getting a lot of traffic the past three, I guess it's Tuesday, so now four days. Um, and it's been making me feel a lot better about what I'm doing and whether I made the right choices in, you know, Mm -hmm. choosing this as my path. And, um, and I feel like I, I am able to keep going, I guess, in a way and not be like bogged down by worrying whether or not I'm going to be making money. Mm-hmm. So That's always nice. Yeah. It's, it's a, a nice feeling. Yeah. It is a really good feeling. <laughs> like, I know it's like, not going to last. Yeah. I know this bump is not going to last. But also, like, it it shows that I, if I do the thing, like, it will come at some point. Like, I'm not I'm not doing it wrong. Mm-hmm. I just am not yes. getting it in front of the right people yeah. yet. And, and, to, so. and to make that difference, you just got to keep going. It took me a long time yeah. before I broke through. You just got to keep, don't ever stop. Yeah. It's a lot, but hustle. try. Yeah. <laughs> the, the hustle. 
the well, hustle. Sometimes, sometimes I, sometimes I want to hustle, and sometimes I want to take a nap, and it's it's really a battle between the two. No, do them so both. It's true. Hustle yeah. when you want to <laughs> hustle when you want to hustle and take a nap when you want to take a nap. Listen, I've been through so Amen, much stress in my life, financially and otherwise, and I've come to realize the biggest lesson I've learned in that is do whatever your body is telling you to do because that's the right thing at that moment. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Yes, for sure. Next week, we will be back to talk about Valentine's Day. Weirdly, the holiday that we haven't covered yet. I know. I was like, Megan, have we talked about this? No, it's on the schedule now. (laughs) Um, So until then, you can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and follow us on social media at IRSI Podcast. You can also send us an email at I'd rather stay in podcast at gmail.com. We love hearing from you. Bye. Oh,